Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nice to Meet You. This is your host, Simone, and this is a podcast of conversations with friends and strangers where we talk about life and lessons learned along the way. Today, we have a highlight episode, which will be focused on traveling. So I'm sorry if that's triggering for anybody, but there are a lot of useful lessons in this episode and also useful tips for when we can start traveling again. I mean, honestly, I don't know if y'all are traveling or not. Um, I haven't been anywhere, but maybe y'all can use them now. I don't know. Not my business. This episode features a bunch of great people just talking about their experiences traveling and what they've learned from it. We chat about the different histories that have been hidden from us that we've learned in other countries. We also chat about being in college and doing study abroad programs. And my friend Sydney, whose birthday it is, happy birthday, Sydney, shares a story about Um, her trip home from Germany where literally everything went wrong. So let's get started with our first clip from Tommy where he talks about going to Belize and also discovering Brazil and their food and a lot about Argentinian culture also. By the way, please excuse the quality of this clip as this was recorded when we were first starting quarantine. I love traveling. That's a big thing. Um, (laughs) I think before, uh, you know, when we could go places, they got, you know, trying to travel like at least once a month, so I would like go to different countries, um, kind of drop of a hat. Like, you know, if I had a free weekend, like, hey, I'm gonna go somewhere. I just like pick a place where, where is it sunny this weekend? And, um, like I'm literally that, like that spontaneous. And yeah, as I love traveling, I mean, things I find interesting. Where's your um, favorite place that you've been? Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, some of my top, I guess my top five would be, um, because I do like a camp in Belize every summer um, with the kids out there. We've been starting like this little, like uh, it's kind of an arts camp, um, kind of a uh, partner for church or whatever. And we do a camp in a village in Belize. So um, Belize is like one of my favorite places because it has a close uh, connection with my heart, you know, with all the kids that we, um, you know, see like grow up and everything. So that's pretty cool. Uh, uh, Brazil. I love Brazil. It's such a vibrant place. Um, uh, let me see. Southeast Asia, so I guess like um, I did really like Thailand. I need to go to more African countries. I haven't been is there. Uh, I think I've only been like one country there so far, just because like be, probably because of my spontaneousness, uh, a spontaneity, spontaneity, spontaneousness. Um, I get a little overwhelmed sometimes. Like when I think of Africa, it's like man, I want to go. I think of it as a continent, so like I want to go here and here and here. And it's like, man, that'd be too much. But if I just go to this one place, then um, while I'm over there, I should definitely have to go. I should definitely, you know, visit other countries. So, but it's kind of hard just to like grasp all of that. So, like, I, I think that's why I haven't gone um, there as much as I would like to yet. Mm-hmm. I have plans to go there also, but I just haven't. Yeah, just made that effort yet. I guess I don't know. Where have you been in Africa? Uh, just Nigeria. Yeah, but I definitely want to go. I mean, so there's a in Egypt. There's a place uh, where at a particular time of the year, like the it's a, um, it's like the crazy science and stuff they have over there. Like their light comes through a building and hits his like back room basically. Um, I think like twice a year. Uh, so I wanted the time with that, but it's like mathematicians can't even figure out how the light gets there because like it's kind of theoretically impossible. Um, so I mean, just to see uh, things like that. Um, yeah, so I love, like, history. Uh, I'm a big foodie. <laughs> so, like, food is always, like, a big part of any of my trips. I just lo- I religiously watch the Food Network and, I, like, look up stuff. And um, 
so yeah, like food is a big part of my travel interest. Um, I would say that that's actually where I start planning my trip is whenever I like plan to go to a city or something, I'll like look on Yelp and like see where like all the popular restaurants are and then like try and get like a hotel in that area also because that's usually like the downtown area. So another thing I feel like, um, well, I got I ask you, what's your favorite food city in the States? Oh my, I have, I feel like I haven't been enough places to have an answer for that. Um, yeah, that's really tough. <laughs> okay. Well, I would okay. say that, okay, so my favorite food is ramen. So like, I feel like I couldn't pick a place in America that would be like, oh my God, this is the best ramen place, right? It seems kind of weird. So I don't know. I really want to go to Japan to try like what their ramen tastes like also just to get that experience. Um, What's the interesting about like food now that was like, uh, because of such a global um, economy and like, uh, so connected now, like you can, I mean, you can literally get authentic food here <laughs> uh, for the most part, you know, uh, which is kind of one of the down, uh, one of the things that I don't like about traveling is like, man, like, I, uh, for instance, I went to Brazil and um, I went to, um, I just happened to go like the a Brazilian, a Brazilian steakhouse and I was like, man, this tastes just like Fogo de Chao. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty like dead on. So I was like, it, yeah. like they weren't missing much. Um, there, there were a couple of additions that they had that wasn't uh, in the states. But you know, certain places. I mean, because everything's so global now, and like the transportation and logistics, and um, you get a pretty authentic experience. Like uh, even here. Yeah, true. What's your What's your favorite food city? Um, my favorite food city will be Miami and Vegas. That's not what I expected. (laughs) I always have like a made, like Miami has such good food. That's why, like I have, I know a lot of people go to Miami and you're like, man, I had a uh, horrible time. Like they have, because I was like, you just stayed in the strip. Like even you go like five minutes away, there's so many amazing places. I mean, I had, so one of my, uh, (laughs) I really need a food show. um, But like one of my little things, like you have to have like a, that makes food amazing or very memorable is like when each bite, is uh is memorable right like you have like an experience what it's, it's such an experience in that one moment so i think that's kind of the things i look for but like miami definitely has like a lot of great places um and very like kind of authentic places uh and then vegas because like you know it's kind of one of those global days so like they import everything from all over the world um like they import these special lobster like 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 longistas from um was up near uh, Norway or whatever, uh, like on a daily basis. I mean, they have so much money. Like they, you can bring the, the best of all the different foods, and so you can find like amazing foods, like and amazingly prepared there in Vegas. So like you can pretty much get anything you want, which is uh, why it's uh, yeah one of my you know two favorite places. And then Brazil, I think Brazil is a great food place as well. They had a lot of great um, <laughs> great meals there. Uh, I went to like some random place in Brazil in Bahia. Uh, it was in Salvador, which is like kind of the original slave port. So it's like a lot of authentic African fusion. I mean, well, uh, Brazil has a large African diaspora, uh, out, you know, in the world actually. It, you know, the the culinary scene there is like you know very um, authentic and you know kind of has that rich experience there from the the cultures that blended. But they had like. 
I'm not even a Black Eyed Pea fan, but whatever. They, they must have had like a slave still in the kitchen. Those, <laughs> like everything there was like it was like I had these Black Eyed Peas, but they were like phenomenal. I, I don't even know what they did to them. Yeah, I didn't know that about um, Brazil being the largest dancer. Because I don't know, the way that like everybody focuses on America, you just expect that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the kind of one of the cool things. Like Brazil, I mean, it has a huge black population, but it's kind of the same thing here. Like they have their, uh, their version of Minnie Trump, who's like the president there. Um, but, you know, kind of the black population is always kind of downsized, so, like the darker skinned people. Even though they're like probably, I think that they probably still outnumber um, the you know lighter people. I guess, yeah, it's kind of the whole like segregation type of stuff. And yeah. um, Argentina, so I went to Argentina actually a year before I went to Brazil. It's hard to say like my interests. I have so many varied things. Um, I love art, so I was going to these museums and like I noticed there like there were a lot of black people in the art. You know, you know, very regal looking black people, and just kind of like casually observing the art. Like you know, I didn't really paying much attention to it and um i was like you know i thought they must have just been like some slaves that you know they dressed up or something like that not really even like paying much attention but so when i went to brazil actually my flight down i met this guy um real real uh cool like older gentleman and then we actually became good friends and uh so when we were in brazil we actually met up and um went to a couple museums as well but he was like yo did um somehow we were talking about argentina but um argentina was actually predominantly black (laughs) And I think now, like, when you think of Argentina, you think of a very fair-skinned people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, because, particularly because of, like, the slave trade, and um, Argentina was another large African diaspora, and they were, and so, in Argentina, like, the, the land owners and all these people, like, um, noble people were actually black people. And once the, uh, <laughs> they start realizing, like, the black people were really taking control of everything, Argentina actually imported white people over to uh to the country to help like the population uh you know grow wow. back and so if you look at if you look at any argentinian art uh, even like kind of google it you will see like pictures of very like you know it's a lot of black people and stuff but then there was a, a, a importation of white people into the country to make it more fair skin again wow, um and, crazy. yeah so uh yeah, so I mean, you I mean you learn so much like traveling and um you know even stuff you kind of like didn't even think about um, yeah, yeah, so that's uh, when did you start traveling? Um, I guess I've traveled, I mean, I always traveled somewhere, um, but like kind of bigger internationally, probably you know, when I was um, like out of college because I think when I was in college, I missed, um, I was supposed to go a couple places with some of my friends and they went like backpacking through Europe, but somehow I never like always, I don't know, maybe because I was a little intimidated to like go far places i don't know whatever reason i I didn't really go so um i think a couple years after that like i really made a big emphasis to make sure i like i just like went places and um even it was by myself just like just to go Tommy brings up a lot of great points in this clip about how globalization has affected food and also the importance of the history of the places we're going to um it's so interesting um the art that he brought up and just the history of the diaspora from Africa. Like Tommy, I wish I traveled a lot more when I was younger, especially in college. 
It just seemed like there was more time back then, but I wasn't focused on traveling. In this next clip, Elise is gonna talk about how she did take advantage of the different programs that were available at her college in order to study abroad and how seeing the world inspired her to really travel and really try to understand what else is going on in this world and how people are really living. Elise also has this really cool Instagram page called Black Girl Travel Slay, which you should go check out and follow right now. It has these amazing pictures of black women just traveling and having fun, enjoying themselves, and also a lot of great resources. Um, so check that out, Black Girl Travel Slay, and let's get into this clip. Yeah, I, was, I, I mean, like, I'm glad that. that you had, like, the idea to just, like, like I'm saying my boundaries now. Yes. I already know they're about to be violated. And I think that's important anything you do in yeah. life. You just have to set boundaries mm -hmm. because if you put them out there prior to like the trip happening or whatever you do, then people know not to test it. And if they do, you're like, hey, I, I, I already you. told you. I already <laughs> put it out there. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel that. Um so how was the trip? Like overall it was great. Um again, like I told you, like I I've learned with another girl's trip. Um if there's something you want to do, like just speak up front about it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, nobody in the group wanted to go. But I was like letting her know because she told me maybe six months in advance. And I'm like, I will spend Saturday at the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I'm not about to be here. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. This yeah. is how much it is. You can tell the rest of the group, no pressure, mm -hmm. but I will be doing this. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm glad I ended up doing that. And I met another person that was traveling from Brooklyn, New York. And we took each other's photos. And like, it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like it was really cool because I was worried about like, oh my God, who's going to take my photos? And yeah. I someone that was, he was there with a group, but they didn't want to go to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, um, okay. Well, so you guys were both like literally in the same yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. So it was great. And yeah. um, I mean, in general, it was, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it was a great trip. Yeah. So like, are you used to like traveling alone and like just meeting people along the way? Honestly, I'm a mix. Um, I travel a lot, and I would go by myself. Mm -hmm. I would go in groups with people I've never met, maybe off the internet. Yeah, I've done it a lot this year. Um, is that ever scary? No. No. Okay. Um, the reason it's not too scary is because, um, well, I guess to get more into me, I um, have an Instagram page called Black Girl Travel Slay, which mm -hmm. highlights women of color traveling the globe okay. to change the narrative of black women coming from a black woman. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of, you know, change um, perspectives and just, you know, break stereotypes that we have that black women don't travel, black women don't get their hair wet. Yeah. You know, all these things. Everything, so, yeah. Yeah. So through this um, platform, I've been able to collaborate with a lot of people in a lot of groups. So that's how I've started to do it. Um, so just from the vibes on the internet mm -hmm. and like us talking, like I, I trust it. I'm just yeah. trusting the gut feeling. If something feels off, then it's like maybe no. yeah, we shouldn't. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. But yeah, like um, the first trip I did actually was to Cuba, mm -hmm. and that was amazing. And like I have some really like awesome connects. Like one of the photographers, he's like Mississippi based, and like. We're like best friends. Like we call each other every day. Yeah. Like, FaceTime. Cool. How'd you guys? You met online. So he's the photographer for one of the groups that I promote. Oh, so right. they're called Black Travelgram. Yeah. So I work a lot with Black Travelgram. Like they promote my stuff if I'm like throwing a brunch in DC because mm -hmm. I'll do that a lot. Oh, like, we're about to know about that next time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I have I've only done like two events, but mm -hmm. 
I just been all over the place. I'll probably do another one coming soon. Maybe maybe next year. I'll yeah, probably, probably in the spring. Like yeah, that'd be a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I probably plan something in the spring. But um, yeah. So he's the photographer for Black Travel Gram. So you know, he's just like has this big bold personality. Yeah. And, like, awesome and like everyone actually that was on the trip was like, great. Like we mm-hmm. all meshed well. Okay, cool. And, so um, it was from like it's a Black Travel Gram sponsored trip. Yes. So okay, it was cool. through them, mm-hmm. and everyone kind of just found out about the trip to yeah and um yeah we all met and we just had a great time yeah and yeah and i did another trip to cartagena last week where's that that's in colombia oh okay yeah i think my friend's trying to go there actually she should go okay and if she goes tell her to go to palenque which is like the predominantly black neighborhood mm-hmm. and do the tour with alex and he's from cartagena um and he grew up in like a lot of these like uh, impoverished black neighborhoods yeah. within colombia so what he does is like when African Americans come to travel, he's just kind of showing and highlighting, like you know, the Black community. Mm-hmm. We actually you know, respect you guys. Yeah. Um, we want you to know the culture. We want you to support. So it's a great initiative, and mm-hmm. just kind of shows you, like, even your worst day in the United States, it's not like as bad as you yeah. think it could be. What does poverty look like there? Um, no running water. Um, a lot of people in the communities don't have money, so they use the bartering system. Mm-hmm. Um. Gosh, it's just like no shoes. Um, almost sometimes I feel like they may be a little bit happier. You know, they, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like not the pressure of like having like social media comparing yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit less fast paced. Yeah, like more present, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like you know, this woman's home that we went to in Palenque, like she literally greeted everyone with a hug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was um, making coconut candy in her backyard. Interesting. Yeah, and, like, you know, she was showing us the whole presentation, and Alex was, like, doing the, like, a uh, translation, because they speak, I think the language was Palenque. I, I forget the exact language, but they mm-hmm. spoke Spanish, but it was another, like, local language as yeah. well. I can't think of it um, at the top of my head. Um and, you know, we were able to, like, buy, purchase some of the candy mm-hmm. from her. So, you know, it's just amazing to see how he's, like, made it. Yeah. But he's still, like, that's Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. yeah. Bringing, like, money back to the community. Exactly, yeah. because the government's not doing it. And that's one thing, like, he said that um, during the Obama administration, like, they were complaining, like, hey, you're putting all this money in Colombia, but none of it is going to the black community. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, so. What's your favorite trip that you've been on? See that you can ask that question. <laughs> Colombia definitely goes top five, mm-hmm. um, just because I've never really been in a country overseas where they really admire black people. Yeah, like where other black people admire black people. Yeah, because I feel like colonialism has really um, messed us up a little bit. Yeah, um, a lot of people hating themselves. So. It was just go. It was really nice and refreshing to go to a place and again, like I said, to humble yourself and realize, like you know what, your life isn't that bad. And um, just to give back, like it's yeah. great to vacation, but it's also nice to like give back. Yeah, definitely. And make a difference. So I think that definitely goes in the top five. <laughs> yeah. Um. So how did you get into traveling? You know what's so funny? The the first time I've ever left the country, I was nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and you went to, uh, University of Maryland, so you know, like, they have amazing, like, study abroad programs. Yeah, and, and that's one thing I regret. I did not take advantage of that. What? I was Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I know, I was, yeah. They have really good programs, mm-hmm. 
But before going to University of Maryland, I had this one um, high school um, teacher, and she was my Spanish professor or teacher. And um, she grew up, she was from Morocco. She traveled to Spain and France a lot. Um, she grew up in that region. So mm-hmm. she would just share her culture. And I remember literally one day, like, we had a lesson on how to make mayonnaise. She was like, you know, this American mayonnaise, no. <laughs> this is how we do it in France. Yeah. And, like, we literally learned, like, how the French, like, eat mayonnaise. And, like, for me, I was like, this is so cool. Like, I want to go to Paris yeah. and France and, like, all these places she spoke about. So even when I was applying to colleges, the study abroad programs, that was the first thing I looked at. Like, yeah. You have to have really good study abroad programs. And University of Maryland had really good programs. So the first time I left the country... Um, Dr. Whitehead, I don't know if he's still at University of Maryland, but um, he is a professor in anthropology. Um, and he did a program for a month out of Kingston, Jamaica. Oh. Yeah. That sounds really fun. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, I, I, they had the study abroad fair, you know, twice a year. So I went to talk to him and it was like, yeah, like, you know, you should come here. My dad, he travels to Jamaica a lot. So he was like, you should go to Jamaica. They have a program there. Yeah. And it was, like, amazing. Like, I spent a month there. Like, was it, like, during the summer? Yeah, it was oh, okay. It was a month during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing because the first three weeks we were in Kingston and the last week we were in Ocherias. And I thought I was going to love Ocherias better because it's, like, more resort-style, like, yeah. touristy. And I hated it after being in Kingston. Yeah, when weeks. you feel, like, the real, like, feel yeah. of the city, it's hard to, like, do the touristy it, stuff It after. really was tough. So yeah. it, was, um, it was a great experience, actually. Um, and... I just learned so much. So from that, I just like had a travel blog mm-hmm. and I like kept traveling and yeah. kept trying to like escape. Did you do any other study abroad? Yeah, I did. Um, University of Maine had great programs. Like I know I feel <laughs> Yo, like you I'm rubbing like, it in. <laughs> I know they have really good programs. Like they had another program that I did. Actually, I did two programs in one summer. Yeah, I went to El Salvador. I see in the Vieja, I think was the city we went to. And um, we were pretty much helped building a preschool there. Um, El Salvador has a ton of like property there, so mm-hmm. we were like helping like build the community yeah. and just bringing projects, and it was it was awesome like um, experience. I mm-hmm. remember you know one day we woke up and we had breakfast, and they're like, hey, do y'all you all want chicken for for lunch today? <laughs> no, I was didn't. like, yeah, let's have chicken. <laughs> and then when we literally takes the chicken, I'm sitting right there and like cracks the neck and then the blood is dragging i'm like oh my god i don't want chicken today oh wow yeah so it was just like crazy and like another program that we had um was actually to egypt and israel Mm -hmm. for the um palestinian israeli conflict yeah um and that was that was tough uh that was really tough too. It's one thing to read a book, but actually experience it. Yeah. And our professor, he actually took us to the West Bank, and he wasn't supposed to. And just trying to cross the border was tough because the group was mixed. Like we had like a Palestinian American, we had a um, Jewish girl. Like there was like you know a few white people. Then it was like black people. So they were like really confused when yeah. they saw us in the bus. Yeah, they used we to see had, like a certain type of yeah, people, and yeah. we all had like American passports and they're like what the fuck is like happening yeah um yeah and then like we crossed over and we talked to students at bethlehem university about their experience because um jerusalem is like the second holiest place in islam and you know the students they were like we can't even cross the border yeah to go pray that's so crazy yeah, yeah and they're like you come all the way from the u.s and you can't go there and we can't 
Mm-hmm. So it was just, again, like these experiences just humble you and also like take you out of that textbook and you could just like, you feel the emotion yeah. like you see. It's more than just writing a paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you just feel what people are going through and you see stuff like this. So, you know, when I hear about like this wall, you know, the border wall, I just really just get goosebumps because like I see you've seen it. how it affects people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So UMD has really yeah, good programs. Right. I mean, I suggest <laughs> anybody that's in there. college right now. Yeah, yeah, anybody in college, like I mean, do it while you're in college. Um, do you have any other travel tips, like just the top three that you can think of, maybe? Yes. Okay. So this is something I've learned um, actually over the past couple trips. Um, take a note in your phone, like go into notes and write what you want in your carry-on because sometimes like you may be packing on the fly and forget something Mm -hmm. so go to that notepad (laughs) and like for example like something simple as like your uh neck pillow yeah like i forgot that like on my last trip yeah and i was like so busy like with the oh i need my sunscreen oh i need to make sure i have enough swimsuits i forgot something as simple as that Mm -hmm. so i suggest um having something in your notes um two Make sure you do just a little bit of research, just to know what's happening on the ground. Like, yeah, okay. just a little bit. Like, if you can learn a few phrases, if you're going to a country that doesn't speak English, don't assume. Um, just like know the basics, like how to buy, how to order, mm-hmm. um, maybe like left, right, just something basic where you don't want to go in super ignorant. Yeah. Um, and then third, try to find places that aren't so touristy because sometimes I feel like. We're so worried about like, oh, that picture, like try to experience maybe like just something. A random restaurant, like a local restaurant. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Just try to, you know, do something out of, I mean, traveling is already outside of your comfort zone, Mm -hmm. but it's just like try to do something, um, you know, that not so mainstream. Yeah. And there are like amazing, you know, things to do, I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure, like wherever country you went. Yeah. Try to have an experience that you can't buy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because I think now everyone is ready to just stay for the experience and, like, you know, don't focus on the pretty picture all the time because yeah. sometimes you might not have a sunny day. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do in the rain? Yeah, so it's just like, <laughs> hey, prepare to slay in the rain or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. So. Yeah. No, I agree. I went to um, Paris and I, like, basically, like, didn't really make any plans. I was just like kind of like wherever I kind of walked to, I'll just yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. figure out like because somewhere you end up there. wasting time mm-hmm. and then like you know, you're only there for a little bit amount of yeah. time. I mean, I don't say do a full itinerary because you might not stick to it, but just yeah. do like a couple things like per day that you really want to do. Yeah, that's what I do usually. I try to do like one thing per day or like maybe like one or two things, like maybe like pick a restaurant and then an activity. Yeah. And like just like have that on the schedule and everything else is like just flexible around yeah. those yeah. two yeah. things. Yeah. 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 I know how scary it could be, but I think Elise makes a great point about just stepping out and making sure that you do the things that you want to do instead of just relying on other people to want to do the things that you want to do in order to do them. She gave some great tips, so I hope y'all are taking notes. Um, Next, we're going to move on to Just Paul, and he talks about just being curious and how that has led him to such a rich understanding of other people and their cultures. Mm. Uh, culture, cultural anthropology, I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of music, I do a lot of trying to figure out what, where I am and what things are around me. Um, in D.C. and in my travels for my, during my performances, as I travel a lot, different places like uh, London and Turks and Caicos and Germany and Copenhagen, you, 
I find myself being interested in the culture of the people there. Mm-hmm. What got you interested in that in the first place? Um, that's a great question. I think my first tour with the Blackbirds is what got me interested in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the God of Fly Tour. It was a promotional tour in Western Europe where we were promoting uh, the God of Fly album, which is on CD Baby and iTunes and YouTube and all the different uh, platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself going off the grid and then I'd fall into uh, uh, cultural anthropology episode where I'm not just going to some random bar to drink now. Now I'm actually linked up with people through discernment and learning what their cultural norms are, different languages, ways to dress, what do they eat, you know, where do they hang. So mm-hmm. it just, it stuck with me. And I started doing it in all of my travels. Mm-hmm. What was like one of your most shocking discoveries, like with traveling and like learning about other people's cultures? My most shocking discovery, recently in Jamaica, I discovered um, Maroon Town. And uh, uh, it's also called a, a compound. And it is the sacred land of the Maroons who defeated the British um, around the same time we were going through, um, I think it was around the 1700s. So it was about 100 years before um, the Emancipation Proclamation. And um, it was it was shocking because I never knew that a group of Africans beat the British in war and, and forced them into a treaty. So that yeah. was like shocking. Yeah, there's a lot of history that like I feel like just hasn't been I guess shared or made of easily accessible. Mm-hmm. That I feel like we're just starting to learn. Right, absolutely. It's, it, it has to be a lot because learning that story happened way too easily. <laughs> It's like, yo, know, that, that could have been right under my nose. I had just, I just so happened to have been traveling in Montego Bay and um, went off the grid, heard some rumors, researched it. And I told the, I told the people that I was, uh, that I had connected with to take me to this town. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to hold the dirt in my hand. Um, so where are like some other places that like you want to travel? I want to travel to Japan. I want to travel to Sydney, Australia. I heard that was a, a groovy town where they love music, that, the music that make you dance, and that's what I'm into. I'm into upbeat, funky, you know, go-go music, you know. Just like a random question, um, what, is, what are the most memorable words that a stranger has ever said to you? You seek knowledge so you'll find it. A stranger told me that in Jamaica when I asked him to take me to a compound. He looked me in my eyes. He said, no one's ever walked into these. Because I was like in the trenches. I was in the hood. Mm-hmm. Asking to be taken to a sacred ground. And so dude looked at me and said, seek knowledge. And then we took a shot right before we said it too. Because I had, cause I had uh, we were having a conversation uh, with a Rastafarian guy. And I said to him, when it stops growing, it dies. Yeah, when it stops growing, it dies. And so there's like, Yo, like, who comes from the States and comes into the trenches like that and talk like that, you know? And I was like, it's just me. So we took the shot. He's like, all right, well, if you really want to find this place, you know, we're going to find it. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, you seek knowledge so you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And we took the shot. And I'm never going to forget that because I know that now 
that's, that answers my question. I'm always going to seek knowledge and I'm always going to find it. And I don't know if that's always a good thing too. Emotionally, you've, you know, the more you know, the more you, you're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's like, it's, it's a balance, I think. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking about that quote now. How has it like, um, I guess, inspired you? It just turned me up to the max now. Now everything, I'm questioning everything. People say quotes, I question it. People say names, I, I question it. What, who's that? What is that? Give it to me. Let me read that. <laughs> you know? So, like, it's crazy because we was just talking about something. Uh, somebody said, man, how's Kudos? How's Kudos? How's Kudos Brown? Who is Kudos Brown? Why do, why, do we, where, why do we reference this name? Who the heck is Kudos Brown? So, you know, simple stuff like that. I'm really, like, turned all the way up. I can't turn the knowledge thing off. Mm-hmm. This is such a great clip that ties in exactly with what Elise and I were just talking about with trying to sort of melt into the city and hang out with people who are normally there on a Tuesday night instead of just going to see the things that we're supposed to see or what, whatever has been advertised. In this next clip, I talked to Steven and he tells me what he's thinking about when he's traveling, how much it really means to him and where he came from to be in these places and what it means to even his ancestors. So let's get into that. A lot of my boys I used to ride bikes with and go into the candy store and steal with. Um, a lot of them are uh, what you would consider uh, products of the school to prison pipeline. Uh, the ones who didn't perform all that well in school, they weren't the best athletes, so they didn't get the scholarships, and they just kind of stayed in the hometowns that we, we grew up in. Um, and then a little dirt here and there, and then they got caught. And so they have you know felonies and misdemeanors. Uh, they might have responsibilities like families, you know, children and partners and such. But I always remember the fact that, and I always want to honor them, Though we may not be as close as we once were, we don't hang out, you know, we may not get together and talk about books and stuff. I'm thankful that they supported me in allowing me to be who I was. And so while I'm able to travel the world and do some really dope things, our lives are in different places. But when I go to, say, San Francisco, I'm staring at the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm thinking of them. I'm thinking about what our teachers told us. Like, you won't make it that far. You're not that smart. Wait, teachers actually told you that? Yeah. You know, that's... Wow. My last trip to Germany, actually, I I was, like, looking at a hill in Stuttgart. That's how I pronounce it. I'm probably mispronouncing Stuttgart. Um, But if you're ever in Germany, check it out. Uh, I think the Porsche Museum is there. But I'm looking at a hill in Stuttgart and I was like talking about my imposter syndrome and my survivor's guilt. And I was just like, I want to forgive those adults, those teachers who didn't believe in my potential. And I internalized that. I believed them in some sort of way, but I also worked really hard to prove them wrong. And then it's just like, kind of let that go. Let that animosity go, the bitterness. Um, Do you feel like you have to forgive them? Um, I have to forgive them in order for me to heal. Um, I'm not going to forget, but I think that I hold on to that animosity and it's it's ever present. But at 33, if I want to make it to 66, then I might need to drop some of those things that are no longer useful. And so that animosity toward teachers in middle school needs to get dropped because I've already, like I've survived. They were adults, they were human. 
and they didn't know any better. They were also mostly white people who may not have known like how to connect with a young black person and may have felt challenged by some of the things I said in class because it may have seemed as if I was like sassing or I was I was a smart aleck where I was just like, I, I want to challenge you in a respectful manner, but because it was coming from me, it didn't seem yeah. respectful. But, you know, I want to forgive those people. They didn't know what they were doing. Some of them did, but regardless, I don't want to spend too much time trying to investigate their motives. There's a big world out there. I want to see it and I want to share it with a lot of other people. You don't have to have a master's degree to see the world. You don't have to have a bunch of degrees. Come up with a plan and make it happen. I come from a family of people who were sharecroppers and before sharecropping, they were slaves. So for the future yeah. generation, what do you like see yourself doing? Like what type of knowledge do you want to impart on them? Or like, how do you want to like bring them up, bring them together, bring... Okay, I, I feel like I want I want to encourage people by living and living by example. So I want to encourage, I have a younger cousin who's at Howard University now. She's a sophomore. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> Maybe we have the same cousin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I was, I was traveling and I don't want to like keep on name dropping traveling, but I was, <laughs> I was in Portugal and she reaches out to me and she's like, what are you up to? I was like, oh, I'm out of town. She's like, you know, what city? I was like, oh, I'm in Portugal. I'm in Lisbon. She's like, oh, uh, uh, all right. <laughs> and then she was like, I want to be like you when I grow up. And I want her to, like, see the world. And I, like, took notes while I was in Portugal. Like, you know, I think she would like to stay here. And this is affordable for a college student and all of that. Um, but, like, you can do things where you don't have to do them the old school, antiquated way. You can... You can wear the clothes that you want to wear. You can wear your hair the way you want to have it. It's just like being self-defining and not feeling like you got to play the game that the baby boomers played or the millennials played, but you can play the game that you want to play. Or you don't have to play a game, just live your life, but not feeling like you have to go by a particular script um, to succeed, quote unquote succeed. I brought this clip into this episode because we always think about traveling and what we get from it and you know the experiences that we see, but we don't think about the deeper meaning of what it really means to travel and travel as a black man, as Stephen was saying. Um, he has a lot of friends that weren't able to. So just to add a little bit more perspective, um, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Next we have my friend Sydney. And she's going to close out the podcast with this story of her traveling home from Germany for Christmas and how literally every single thing can go wrong. What's the worst trip you've ever been on? Mm. Like vacation? Yeah. Um, shit, I don't know. I've had like bad moments, but like I... I'm not good with those type of questions. Like even like in a job interview, say like, what's the worst internship you've ever had? I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Cause like I try to see the best part of stuff. Um, I feel that. I was once described as someone who's very invested in having a good time. <laughs> 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 and I was like, you know what? That doesn't sound like a compliment, but I will take it right. as a compliment. You <laughs> should take it. <laughs> I don't know like I've, I've done different trips like I've never gotten kidnapped or something so 
<laughs> so every trip is pretty good. Right, right. As long as you don't get kidnapped or lose a finger, I feel like it's a good day. <laughs> I think I've had stressful trips. What kind of stress? Um, when I was working in Germany, I was there from August to February. Mm-hmm. So I came home for Christmas. And well, the plan was to come home for Christmas. I, I did make it eventually. But uh, I essentially, I had to leave my, I was trying to do this cheap as well. So I had to leave my apartment at like 6.15, 6.30 in the morning, catch a bus to the city center in uh, Erlangen. And from there, I was going to catch the train to Nuremberg. From Nuremberg, I was going to catch um, like a mega bus almost mm-hmm. to Frankfurt and then fly to Frankfurt. So it sounded really easy when I was putting it together, but it didn't happen that way. So I'm leaving out, and like I built in, I always try to like leave earlier than what I have to. Yeah. Like any sane person. <laughs> so like I'm, I got this big ass suitcase, I've got a duffel bag, and I've got like a carry on book bag. Mm-hmm. Like I had like all presents and gifts and stuff in like my duffel bag, and actually like clothes in the suitcase, and then my carry on. So I'm leaving out of my apartment. And I'm like, usually I can, the bus stop is like maybe 50 feet that I can just walk to. And I can see it like when I'm leaving my building. Mm-hmm. So I'm like trying to get this suitcase down the steps, but like it's way too fucking heavy. So I gotta like go down the ramp and all of that. And like as I'm going down the ramp, I see the bus pull no. up and pull off. And I'm like, all right, shit, but it's okay because that was the first one and I know I can make the next one and still get to everything on time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. I'm just going to sit out here for like 10 minutes and it'll be all right. Next bus comes. It was late. I was like, all right, not a big deal. Get on it. Get downtown. And I, there was like a whole bunch of traffic for some reason that morning. And it arrived to me late and then got down to Erlangen late. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. But the trains were also running late. So I was like, all right, all right, I can make it. And I had set that up so that there were two trains that would get me there before I, like, I needed to be there. And the trains were running late. And I was like, all right, cool. But I got this big-ass suitcase, so I couldn't just run up the steps like yeah. I usually do. I had to get an elevator, wait for the elevator to come down. And it was slow as shit. And I get to the level that I need to get on, and the train is pulling away. And I'm like, fuck. Like, that was the second train that I needed to be on. Oh, that was the second one. Right. Fuck. And, like, there was another one, but that was running, like, 10 minutes behind, and I definitely wouldn't have got there on time. Yo, how was everything late? And, like, it never is. It never was. <laughs> like, this was the only day that everything <laughs> was just fucked up. And I was like, all right, fuck. You know, I got I get to I gotta get to Nuremberg to get on this bus, and the bus was, like, two, three hours. I'm like, and that was the only bus. Like, there was no other option there. So I'm like, all right, shit. Like I'm starting to sweat and stuff, and so I'm like, all right, I'll just, I'll just take a taxi. It's from Erlangen to Nuremberg was probably like 25, 30 minutes. Okay. So I was like, all right, I can't wait for the train. I gotta take a taxi, but I didn't have any money. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, it's like six, seven in the morning right now. And, and on I have, top of that, it's morning. Are you a morning person? No, not at all. Either. <laughs> and I have no money. 
and so I called my parents and was like, can y'all transfer me some money? Because, you know, it's I got to get on a taxi, which would be $50, $60. Yeah. And get home. But, of course, it's it's 7 or 6 in the morning in Germany. It's like 1 midnight back here. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, and so Did I, they answer? They did. I had okay. to call my mom twice. She didn't answer. I called my dad, and he finally picked up, and he transferred me the money. So then I'm trying to get on the taxi. So I was like, I got the money. So I get in a taxi. Um, the other thing is, the reason I didn't really do taxis was I don't know German. At all? No. Oh. So, like, I would usually get lucky because um, Adidas was there. Um, a lot of people do live in Erlangen or live in Nuremberg, so then you have, like, English-speaking people. Mm-hmm. So it usually worked out. But this guy, he spoke a little bit of English. Um, and it was enough for me to tell him like bus station in German yeah and figure it out from there so we start going out there and of course there was traffic I don't know what was going was, on in the entire country of Germany that morning but apparently it was like a holiday or something that no like you right, didn't know about right it wasn't on the calendar <laughs> <laughs> but the odds were not in my favor that day so we're in the train um well in the taxi and there's traffic and I'm just like kind of trying to tell him like you know I gotta be on the bus like in 10 minutes mm-hmm. and like he was understanding and he was like alright I'll, I'll get you there we pull up and in Germany they don't really tip everyone like makes a livable wage okay but shout out to Germany right <laughs> so um like my taxi was like I'm gonna say 50 52 dollars or something like 52 euro or something like that and like I'm going to say that we got there at like 8.14 and the bus was supposed to leave at 8.15. Mm-hmm. So I just threw 60 euro at this man. It was like, take it. Let me go catch my shit. And I get out. I'm looking for the bus because it's kind of like a Greyhound station. You have multiple like slots that the bus pull in and mm-hmm. then they'll just pull out. So I'm looking for mine. And as I'm looking, he's like pulling out and onto the main street, but stopped at the stoplight. So I'm like, come on, man. I'm on post on this bus, like, let me in. Like, he opens up the doors, and I'm, like, trying to get over there, and he's just like, no. What? No, you can't get over. And I'm like... You only got a ticket and everything? Yeah, I had my ticket, and I was showing him, and he was like, no, I can't I can't let you on. Because, I mean, they're technically on the main street, but they're just at a stoplight. Yeah. And he was like, nope. Closed the doors and pulled off. What? Okay, so this is the bus that's going to take you to the airport to exactly. catch a flight. Exactly. So. To get home for Christmas. Yeah. And I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Like, everything that could have went wrong, went wrong that morning. Kind of like yesterday. Exactly. Trying to get a fucking cheesesteak. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I'm like, this is unbelievable. I'm like, how am I supposed to get, like, I think it was like two and a half, three hours to Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. I have no money. And, I, like, what and the 20 to, to 30 minute taxi already costs, what, 60 euros? 60 euros. I'm just like, fuck. I'm not really the type of person that will panic, like, not visibly. Like, I'm not going to hyperventilate or something like that. But inside, I'm like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Um, so I, I sit down for a minute. I'm like trying to process my thoughts. I'm running through my options and all of that. And I'm at a train station. Like, this was a bus and a train station, like, in the center of Nuremberg. So I'm like, bus is not an option because that was the last one that would get me to the to the train to the airport. 
So I'm like, I got to do a train. The only trains that would get me to the airport quick enough were all high-speed trains. And they were like, I think this train, the one way was like $90, 90 euro. Wow. And I was like, fuck. So I did have my credit card, though. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. I mean, I just got to do it at this point. And I'm, I'm going to say it was leaving in like 20, 25 minutes. Okay. So I was like, you know what? Let me just do it. Put it on my credit card. Grab something to eat. And like, this was the first time that I was at my mode of transportation on time. <laughs> so I'm like, waiting for the train. You know, I had a little, little bite to eat. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, this is it. I'll make it. And I'm sitting there. I'm sitting on my suitcase. I've got my book bag on my back waiting for the train and I'm like I'm missing something no <laughs> no <laughs> the duffel bag the duffel bag was not with me and I'm like what the fuck I, I, I'm like where the fuck did I leave it in the taxi and I'm like oh my goodness so I retrace all my steps I, I'm carrying around this my duffel my suitcase was like over the fucking limit it's heavy as fuck I'm trying to get through you know a train station with everyone rushing around and morning rush hour Mm -hmm. so I go back to where I got some food from it wasn't there I went back to the bus station and it was sitting right on the bench where I was sitting and that's, no one had that's lucky it. that is so lucky I they're probably about to call the cops on your right. bag honestly you see something say something <laughs> nobody said anything <laughs> it's like I'm not snitching <laughs> trying to get me caught up <laughs> yo like that was crazy I did not you know how I like left it there and it was like I was like had to go like back and the train station was on one side the bus station was on the other and then you got like underground like, tunnels and mm-hmm. subway systems so like it was I don't know how I don't know how long I had left it there so I get that, go back to the train, I catch the train, I'm like, all right, finally, like, I can breathe. Can you breathe, though? Can you? <laughs> I was still holding it in because I was cutting it real close to getting to the airport. Like, they say two hours, you know, get there for an international flight. I'm flying out of an airport I've never been to before. Actually, I did come into Frankfurt, but I've never flown out by myself. Mm-hmm. Like, when I came into Germany, my parents came with me. And so, I'm like, you know, I still got to figure out, like, gates and shit. You know, what I'm, terminals. And I'm just like, all right, fuck. Like, I'm just cutting it close. I had, like, an hour to check my bag, get through security, and get on the plane. And there wasn't a long line for checking the bag. But, you know, if you're checking a bag, you got to do that, like, 30, 45 minutes before. And, you know, I'm checking in for my flight. And I'm like, is my bag going to make it on the plane? And she was like, I don't know. It might. It might not. I'm like, I mean, that's not reassuring. But, okay. And then, of course, my suitcase was over the limit. Because that bitch was heavy. Yeah. But I had my duffel bag that had a lot of empty space in it because it was mainly just like gifts and presents. Mm-hmm. So I took some stuff out, shuffled that around, gave it to her. She's like, all right, cool. And I'm like, all right, now I got to get through security. And I thought US, like TSA was bad, but they at least move fast. They have some sense of urgency. I'm like standing in this long ass line. I'm like, why is this line like not even fucking moving? Like, what's going on? Well, when I get up there, the German, you know, TSA or whatever they call them, like, you don't touch shit unless he tells you to touch shit. Okay. And, like, when usually, like, TSA here, like, you take your shoes off, like, you ready to go when you get there. Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. 
It wasn't none of that. You gotta wait for them to tell you to take your shoes off and everything? Everything. Wow, okay. So, like, I walk up, and I, like, grab a bin and put my stuff in, and he, like, yells at me. He's like, don't touch that. I was like, uh, like, like, what? Trying to help you out. Trying right. to get us all like, where I'm, we're trying to go. I'm not trying to get caught up in this airport. Like, I'm trying to get home. I don't need no <laughs> cavity checks and shit. Like, no. So, I can only touch the bin when he told me to touch the bin. I took my shoes off when he told me to take my shoes off, my belt, everything. And I'm like, you are slowing down this process so much. So much. So I think I've got like 30 minutes now to get to my gate by the time I get through all of that. And like speed walking to my gate like real fast, like I don't want to run. But I finally made it and the flight took off like 10 minutes after I sat down. I was like the last person on the flight. Yeah. That was, that was stressful. Like just the fact that it was Christmas and all of that, I was trying to get home. That's probably, well... That's probably what it was. Then maybe the traffic was just because Christmas. But, everybody's but it like was like around. the fifteenth of December. Oh, it's like I took two yeah. weeks off. Yeah. So it's not like it was the twenty fourth, like Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like, come on now. There was one plane in my life where we almost missed it. We were going to New Orleans for my birthday. Ooh. We were. We all got to the airport. We're just chilling. We're like, all right, let's just like you know grab a drink before we get on the flight. So we're chilling. We're sitting at um fucking Green Turtle and BWI, mm-hmm. and then somebody's like. Let's go check and see. I'm gonna go check and see like um, if they started boarding yet. And then the person like goes and checks, and then she like runs back. She's like, "Y'all, they're about to close the door. We gotta go." <laughs> so it's like we're literally like sitting there just drinking, just like, "Oh my god, we're about to have so much fun in New Orleans." And then it's like, "Y'all, the plane's about to go." Like, did y'all not know what time it was leaving? We knew what time it was leaving, but I think it was just like we didn't expect them to board so early. Oh, like, so it's yeah. like you know, like they like when they we thought they would start boarding at the time that they told us but like they, you know they start boarding like 30 minutes before like this is our first time like traveling like alone alone oh, so like yeah, yeah we're just <laughs> yeah. it's like could you imagine us just sitting there like oh my god no, we're gonna be so <laughs> like the plane is like taking off without us like I hope you all enjoyed that story and the rest of this podcast I hope you learned something for the next time you're able to travel um interestingly enough i didn't mean to do this but leaving off with the birthday clip i feel like i have to mention that the next time y'all hear from me i will be 27 so um yeah wish me a happy birthday um if anyone's interested i decided to do a wine exchange because um you can't actually throw a party for coronavirus so we'll see how that goes Um, If y'all would like to follow the podcast, please do that on Twitter and Instagram at NTNY Podcast. Take some time to write a review. Take some time to write some comments. Take some time to subscribe. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Other than that, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, or just something you want to share, you can send those emails to ntmypodcast at gmail.com. Thank y'all for listening. I'll see you next week. And I'll be 27.